around to the video here in a minute, but I, I want to begin with this question. If you could fix anything, what would it be? Think about all the problems that we have in this world, maybe in your family, in your neighborhood, maybe in your job. Well, what would you fix? One thing. Would it be maybe you want to provide a home for anybody who needs to be fostered or anybody who is orphaned on the sex trafficking industry? Maybe you would put a stop to the drug problem that we have. Maybe you would end hunger. Maybe make it so politics are less divisive. Fix your family problem. Maybe you would fix the way people drive around the circle. <laughs> well, I want to read you a text this morning. And this text comes... And it's from a prophet named Malachi, and Malachi lists a bunch of problems. I think he just ends with this. And so I want to read it, and I'm going to explain it this morning as we continue. Here it is. It's Malachi 4, 5 through 6. He says, Behold, I will send you Elijah, the prophet before the, the, prophet before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes. And he will turn the hearts of fathers to their children and the hearts of children to their fathers lest we have utter destruction. So why does he write this? What's, what's going on? Why is he looking forward here to a man coming, named Elijah coming and then the day of the Lord, and he's trying to keep this destruction from happening? Well, as we look back, what we discover here, and if you do a little research, what's going on here is that the, 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 the people of God, they're suffering a, a number of problems. First, they had been exiled, which basically means that all the people living in the land of Israel, and they spread them out. Basically, what, happens, uh, what happened in the ancient world, which this was kind of the way most people took over other people, is you moved in, and then you moved the people out that you conquered so that those people couldn't then rebel and kind of get their land and their country back. That was kind of the general means and how you uh, controlled and conquered people. And so the Babylonians had done this to the Israelites. Well, they got a new king, and, and the new king Cyrus basically had a new philosophy on how to be handed what he decided to do. Let's let the people kind of live where they want to live, worship who they, they want to worship, and kind of do what they want to do as long as they kind of don't rebel against our empire. And so what Cyrus does is he tells the, the Jewish people, you can go back to your land and you can worship your God and you can do what you want to do. And in fact, Cyrus went as far as even rebuilding the temple uh, for the people. And so what you have are vast numbers of people and the people that are actually still to Israel. And they believe that they're going to be able to start kind of their old customs, get back with their old family members, and that a time of peace is going to come among them. A time of prosperity will take place. They believe that there will be converts to their religion because of all the things, all the good things that will happen. Um, and so they are hoping that all of this will take place as God's presence is made known in this new temple that has been built. And so this was the expectation writing to. But unfortunately, what they discovered is that none of this was really taking place uh, among their people. In fact, they were experiencing the opposite. 
And what Malachi does, if you read through his book, he describes a number of problems. And we can assume this isn't all the problems that they have, but he describes a number of problems that the people are facing. I put it in your notes. If you'd like to take notes, I'll throw it on the screen for you too. But here's what Malachi says that the people's problems are. Here's one of them. He says, you lack caring for the poor and the sick. In troubles. He goes on in his book as you continue to read. He says this about the priest, the pastors, right, and the people. He says the priests, they're no longer teaching the word of God. They, they, they no longer actually teach what the people need to hear so that the people can experience peace, so they can experience prosperity, so that people will actually come to worship the one and true God. And he says the, the, one of the reasons the priests aren't doing this, and this isn't an excuse, but he says it's because the people, they don't want to hear it. Uh, they don't really want to hear what God had given them, kind of sidestepping that. Third, what Malachi says is that people are regularly breaking their commitments, that people can't commit to one another, and so they can't commit to God, and this is experienced uh, most evidently in their marriages, and so he's saying they can't keep commitments. Fourth, he said people have stopped giving. They've stopped being generous and making uh, meaningful sacrifices. So in other words, is what Malachi is saying is that the people have grown greedy, and get to kind of the end, before you get to chapter 4, which we just read from there, at the, kind of towards the end of chapter 3, he says kind of the result of all of this is that their, their economy is falling apart, that people are going hungry, that people are, are, are starving, and things just aren't going the way that they hope to go. And he says, so you have all of these problems, and then they kind of compound into a problem that affects everybody else. Now the question for us here, as we read a text like this, and as he looks forward, that we should want to know is like, what is the root of the problem of problems? And to figure out the root of the problem that Malachi is trying to get out, we have to look at the solution. And he gives us the solution in verses four and five. And he does very simply when he just says this. He says, when the Lord comes, he's going to turn the hearts of the fathers to children and the children's hearts towards their fathers. Now, I just read you a bunch of problems, right? You have your own problems. You had your own problems that you even said that you would fix, right? Need to be fixed by the same thing that Malachi says our problems need to be fixed by. What if most of your problems, right, that you want to fix, you're just kind of, you're just kind of fixing the cause of something much deeper, right? Because what Malachi is getting at here, he's saying, like, you've got all these problems, all these things are happening, but the root of all these problems are actually the people's hearts. The condition of the people's hearts is the Lord comes, right? That is what he wants to fix. So let me just ask you this. What if what you think is your biggest problem isn't your biggest problem? What if it's not a material problem or, or something that you can see, but it's actually a spiritual problem? Malachi assumes that our biggest problem is the condition of our heart. Not caring for the poor, not wanting to hear from God, breaking off committed relationships, and refusing to give or being greedy are all heart problems. According to Malachi, these problems then lead to an economic problem that then affects everybody else. Which brings destruction, which brings... Uh, 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 hardships, but they are not at the root. Their hearts are at the root of their problem. 
And what is true for Malachi and what we learn in Scripture is what was, is true for them is generally true for us. And so let me illustrate it this way. I showed you uh, the, that little clip, right, from The Grinch Who Stole Christmas. You are more likely to be the Grinch than you are a who. You get that? Right? You are more likely to be the Grinch than you are to be the who. You saw the Grinch's problem. The Grinch's problem is what? That his heart is two times too small. That is the Grinch's problem if you read through the Grinch. Problem. No, I don't. I'm much more likely to be a who. Right? Who among you, pun intended, right? you wake up Christmas morning. Everything is gone. You get the family. You get the friends. You get everybody you know. And you say, let's go through a worship service. You're more likely to be the Grinch than you are a who. This is what the Bible teaches us, by the way. The Bible isn't very kind when it talks about our hearts, to be honest. Right, right towards the beginning. The Lord saw the wickedness of men was great on the earth, and that every intention of the thoughts of his heart were only evil continually. Psalm 51.5. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. In other words, it said, hey, even from a child, right, we're, we're grown, we're, we're learning at that age, and like our hearts need to be conditioned in a way that isn't rooted in sin, isn't rooted in hate. Jeremiah 17, 9. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? Mark 7, 21 through 23. For from within, this is Jesus, by the way, for from within, out of the heart of man comes evil thoughts. Sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. All of these evil things come from within, and they defile a person. Jesus, on his part, did not entrust himself to them, because he knew all people, and needed no one to bear witness about man, for he himself knew what was in man. And so what Jesus teaches us is that basically our hearts right? They're dark, they're broken, they're two times too small. Uh, and so I want to do an exercise this morning because I believe as we come to Christ and as we look forward to Christmas, one of the things that we need to do is we need to check our just not there yet. Like my heart isn't really two times too small. It's, it's not really dark. It's really not that bad. And so let's just take for an example the, the problems that Malachi was using there. And here's what I want you to do. I want you to be completely honest with yourself as I read through these. Because I, what I'm not going to do is I'm not going to make you come up here on the platform, right, and answer these questions. And so you've, you've come to church today, and so just be honest with the Lord. Where is your heart? So let me ask you this. Do you care for the poor and the sick? I mean really care. Do you care enough to pray for them? Do you care enough to spend time with anyone that actually might be considered poor? Do you have friends that are poor? Do you know people who are poor that don't look like you? Or are you, do you have contempt for the poor? Or are you generally apathetic for the poor? Second problem that we see is that the priests weren't teaching the Bible. 
so as I'm reading through this, right, I need to check my own heart. Are there things that, are there things that I'm not willing to teach or to believe because I'm afraid of you or anybody else? Are you generally offended about what the scriptures teach about God and humanity? I mean, what if this book really is from God? Are you willing to at least hear about it and make a formed decision? If you are, will you give people like me or maybe somebody who is a follower of Jesus the time of day to have a real discussion and to open up your heart? How about this? Do you keep your commitments? I mean, really keep them. Are you a person of your word, a man of your word, or a lady of your word? Married people. Malachi specifically points you out here. Are you doing the best to love your spouse and her only? Are you really willing to stick by them for better or worse? Do you allow your eyes to wander and to want for other people? Have you grown to resent or hate your spouse, the one you vowed to love? Just friends, right? General friends here. When you commit to spend time, do you bail? the moment something better comes up. When you stand up here and commit to give your children to the Lord, do you really mean it? Church, when you commit to help make sure that our children know the Lord, that you, you, you commit to help supporting families to know the Lord, do you really mean it? Is your heart really in it? Fourth problem, as they no longer make meaningful sacrifices and they're no longer, longer generous, they no longer give. The average American gives maybe just over 3% of their income uh, to help others. Malachi's expectation was for them to bring 10. How much did you give away this past year? Remember, this is between you and the Lord. You're not telling me. Well, Josh, I can't because. Now, is that because of a need or because of a greed? Do, you, do we know the difference? I mean, how many pairs of shoes do you have? I, I think about, I have two dogs, right? I think the average American spends more would your accountant say that you were generous? Or when you give, are you only giving to get a tax break? Maybe some of you, right, those don't prick your heart at all. Or maybe you are, one of you is estranged from a child and you refuse to forgive them. Or you're a son or a daughter and... You refuse to forgive revenge. Maybe you're just angry all the time and you just know your heart is broken and your heart 
is hurting and you are generally an angry person. Well, this morning, we're continuing the series called Simple Faith. And here's what I want you to know, right? If you have found a place where your heart is just not right, where its two sides is too small, where it is broken, where it is dark, where it is not loving, where it is not generous, here's what we believe, is that God can change hearts. Simple faith is believing that God can change your heart. But when we look at the prophecy there Elijah makes, what he's doing is he's looking forward. He's writing about everything he just wrote about, but he's looking forward. He's looking forward to a man named Elijah coming. Uh, this man here is a figure like Elijah. In the New Testament, what we discover is that he's Lord Jesus, and he is like Elijah in that he comes out of the wilderness. And he makes statements about God, and he's trying to give get people to give up their complacency about God, but he does, he's doing something uh, um, much uh, bigger than calling people to himself. He is pointing people to the Lord. And if you remember the story of Elijah, if any of you know the story of Elijah, one of the things that Elijah does is he basically challenges uh, a group of prophets to uh, have this altar kind of catch so forth. And he says, well, my God is going to do it. And what happens is basically he wins the challenge as this altar burns up. And what Elijah does, or what John does when he comes on the scene, he says something about Jesus. He says, you know, I'm going to come and I'm going to baptize you with water. But somebody is going to come and he's going to do something much greater than that. And what he's going to do is he's going to baptize you with the spirit and with fire. And the idea behind that is that John is looking forward towards Jesus here. And Jesus is going to be the one who is not literally going to light you on fire, but is going to take a fire to burn up everything that doesn't belong in your heart. He wants to change your life. And so what Malachi is looking forward to in that great day of the Lord is Jesus coming. It's Christmas. It's God coming to the scene to announce that he has come to change you. And how is he going to do that? He's going to do that simply through love. We have been talking about love this morning. And if you are here this morning, uh, this is just, uh, this is the gospel is that God came and he created you in the beginning, by the way, for his love. You are not an accident. None of these children up here are accident. They're accidental births, right, maybe, but there aren't accidental children. And you are not an accident. God created you so that you would love him and so that you would know his love. The problem that we all have, as we read about in Scripture is that we all sin against the Lord and we all walk away from the Lord because our hearts are not naturally drawn toward God. And so this is why we are told that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And you guys have heard pastors talk about us being separated from the Lord. And this is how the Bible articulates that. But Christmas is about Jesus coming on a rescue mission to earth to save us. That although while we are still sinners, Christ comes and he shows up on this earth, and he wants to change your life. And so he lives a perfect life. But why we were, is that Jesus dies for you. He gave his life for your life. John uh, 15, 13 put it like this. Greater love has no one than this, that one lay down his life for his friends. You see, you owed a debt that you couldn't pay, and God died in your place. Think about it like this. Chuck Colson who spent uh, time in jail, 
himself and had to have his heart radically changed by God. He used to illustrate it like this, uh, World War II, uh, that were put in prison camps. And they said a group of 20 workers had come back from a prison camp, all fairly young, and they had counted, uh, they had to count the shovels each day when they got back. And so the soldier that was over them started to, began to count the shovels. And the soldier counted 19 shovels, but there were 20 men. And so the so soldier demanded that somebody step forward and take responsibility for the missing shovel. If not, five men would die right there on the spot. The men said without hesitation, a young man about 19 years old, the soldier then killed him there on the spot. The men went back to their living quarters and they began to count the shovels. There were 20 shovels there. The soldier had miscounted. They all began to weep and think about the love it must have taken for that young man to stand up without hesitating to die for them. He's 19 years old. Think about the life he could have lived. Everything, his brothers there, wife, children, a house, all of his future gone. Why? Because of love. Now, he chose to die so that others might live. To love is to choose to suffer and sacrifice so that others can live. And if you believe that, it will transform your relationships. Fathers who are estranged from children, their hearts will be turned to them. Children who are estranged from fathers, their hearts will be turned to them. But that's not the end. Jesus didn't just die, he rose from the dead. Jesus rose, and some of our lives, right, they're very difficult. We think, my life can't get any better. I'm, I'm hurting, I'm suffering. Well, Jesus promises to redeem that. Your suffering is not going to go on forever. Your pain is not going to go on forever if you give Christ your heart. He promises to come when he enters in and he can repair your life. So what do we do this morning? If you feel that your heart is broken, if your heart is hurting, if you feel like you are far from God, what do you do? The first thing that you need to do is you need to embrace God's love. You need to embrace God's love and allow him to change your heart this morning. Is it embrace God? Is God's there? Is God's love there? You'll know. Is your heart pointed outwards? Do you genuinely love people? If you don't, right, God's love is probably not there. So ask God to enter in. Right? Embrace God's love. Church, if you are here this morning, you've given your heart to the Lord, right, and you've embraced God's love, what do you have to do? You have to share God's love. You have to. Your hearts must be set on Christ. It cannot be set on everything that we have made Christmas to be. It, it can't. It, it, for, the, for the world's sake, it can't. You can notice that is happening around you and everything else that we are trying to do. What I love about the Grinch here is what transforms his heart. What? The who's. 
They still come to, everything is taken from them, everything, right? And they still come out, they still sing, they still celebrate. And the Grinch looks down on, on that, and that transforms his heart. Four, right? I really struggle with Christians that just complain about the world. I do. Just, just complain, and they're not going to worship. They're, they're not going to give God's praise. They're not going to celebrate. They're not going to cherish Christ above all else. So church, we have to share God's love. We have to celebrate God's love. We have to pray for those who persecute us, who don't love us. We have to love our enemies. Church, we have to celebrate our commitments. Celebrate your spouse. Make sure that they have a good Christmas present. It'll help. (laughs) Give. Be generous. Give to the Lord. How about this? Reconcile the relationship. What relationship in your life right now needs to be reconciled? Who do you need to reach out to and say, I know you wronged me, but I love you. You need to share God's love. This is what Christmas is about. Uh, I love kind of that line from the Grinch. Christmas doesn't come from a store. Christmas is it's not material. And he says, perhaps Christmas means a little bit more. Christmas is about allowing God to transform your heart and your life. So will you embrace Christ this morning and will you share his love? Let us pray. Father, I thank you so much. I thank you for everything that you've done this morning in our service. I thank you for our children. But right now we direct our hearts and our minds to the Christ child that you sent. And we pray, Father, that through your spirit that you allow him to evaluate our hearts. I pray, Father, that you transform our hearts and our minds through the power of your Spirit by our embrace of your Son, Jesus. If there's anybody here this morning and they believe that their heart is broken and that they need your Son, Jesus, and that they need a Savior, I pray, Father, that they would give their lives to you at this moment. Through this process of evaluating our hearts, we've found portions of our heart that are still dark and are still broken. And we ask for your forgiveness. But Father, more than that, we ask that you transform those those areas of our hearts that do not belong to you. And we pray that you help us to give them to you. I pray, Father, that you, you shine light on those dark places our brokenness. I pray that you help us to love you more and help us to love our brothers and sisters more, our neighbors, and each person we come into contact with. We ask that you do this all in Jesus' name. Amen.